welcome in to episode number 25, the quarter century episode of Glass City Game Time. Still, despite a pandemic, one of America's great sports podcasts brought to you by The Blade. My name is still Corey Crisson, and thank you for listening once again. We appreciate you sticking with us here during these times that we're all trying to get through. We're all doing our best to abide by society's new way for right now. And again, the show must go on. And today the show goes on as we bring in Blade Sports writer Ashley Bastock. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Corey. So glad we can do this remotely still. Technology's working out well for us right now. I've been doing my best to keep up, at least from home. What about you? What's been good at the Bastock compound during this coronavirus quarantine? Well, I definitely don't have a compound, but, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've been, you know, I, I was laughing. I was listening, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago when you had Kyle Rowland on, my colleague on the Ohio State beat, and Kyle brought up that he was surprised at how easy it was to still come up with story ideas, and I'm kind of in the same boat as him, so that's been good. Um, the biggest adjustments for me have been number one, not going to Ann Arbor constantly, which I miss doing and interacting with people and kind of getting stories that way. But, um, you know, trying to stay positive and realize that this is not anything that we can control. We're all in the same boat as journalists and as people. Um, so that has been, you know, fairly easy to, when you kind of look at things that way to realize, well, I just have to make the best of this. I've gotten to be a little bit more creative than maybe I would be if it was a typical spring football type of situation. Um, so that's really like what it comes down to for me. And the other thing I've been pleasantly surprised about is still having motivation to work out because I love working <laughs> out. I was very sad when all my gyms closed, but um, obviously understood. Um, yeah. And I've been surprised that that motivation has still been there. So it's, it's been as good as things can be. I think I've inadvertently lost weight just because right. I stopped eating like Taco Bell and going to Dunkin' Donuts and like I'm eating a sandwich. Like I'm not rationing my food off to myself by any means, but I'm just eating less because I'm home. It's kind of ironic, but I definitely feel that too. Like I'm still firing up. This is not an endorsement Planet Fitness workout videos. I just throw it on my TV and do it for a half hour and, you know, kill myself for a half hour and it works. So We'll roll with it. Plus, I'm playing too much video games for yep. any person's liking. Lots of Animal Crossing right now, which we had a Twitter discussion over. Have you gotten that yet? Have you gotten the scope of it yet? No, I. you know, I still don't think I, I truly understand it. I think I maybe do. I never really was a big video game person, like, growing up, kind of here and there. Like, I mean, when I was in high school, the, the Wii was, like, the big thing. So yeah. I was very into, like, Wii in high school, and that's what me and all my friends had. But... Um, beyond that, like never really did too much with them in like college or anything like that. But, you know, the funny thing with me for fitness and stuff right now is even, even though I was an athlete, like I played basketball in college, I have literally always hated running. Like I can't stand it. I hate running distances. Like mm -hmm. it just is a nightmare for me. And honestly, coronavirus is turning me into a runner because I'm like, you're not going to get a much better burn than that, honestly, right now. So it just is a, it is a time. So maybe going, some days I'm going for two runs because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. Like my work's all done. So let's just get out and get some fresh air. Right. You actually just hatched an idea in my head. You brought up the Nintendo Wii. And I still have mine. We need like a Blade Sports Wii bowling tournament or something. Right. To, to get going. I mean, just for the heck of it, because what else are we going to do right now? But 
that would also probably require us to congregate somewhere. So in compliance with social distancing, that might not work right now, but in the future, we'll figure that out. I'm uh, my town in animal crossing is still a work in progress. I just expanded my home to put a short explanation on what it is. It's a social simulator kind of in this edition, you move to an Island and you build up an Island and you start your own community kind of, and, it's, it's a very laid-back, go-at-your-own-pace kind of game. Now, if you go online and look at, like, YouTube videos and, like, Twitter, there are people that are, have just completely made, like, cities out of these islands, and it's really insane. So it's kind of, uh, like I said, do-at-your-own-pace kind of game. But um, I can see how it would be therapeutic in a lot of ways, especially right now. I've turned my character into a explorer kind of deal. So there's a museum that you can build on your island. So like I've been trying to hunt bugs and catch fish to like build this great museum so I can just show it off to friends that visit and stuff. Like I caught a oarfish, which is like a legendary rare fish in the game. But anyway, that's Animal Crossing kind of a little bit. Plus WrestleMania was this weekend and I'm still buzzing off of that. But let's not talk wrestling. Let's talk Michigan athletics, which is why you called in. Because Michigan basketball and Michigan football have been very busy on the recruiting ends. And Ashley, before we start on the recruiting side, let's start Michigan basketball. And this week we learned that one of Michigan's primary guards that at least in 2020 and 2021 was expected to step up a little bit, David DeJulius, he entered the transfer portal. He averaged seven points and he played just about 21 minutes per game and Michigan already losing Xavier Simpson, and now DeJulius looks like he's heading out. So this adds a whole nother layer of depth to Michigan regarding recruiting and regarding the potential rotation for next year should he leave. Yeah, and, you know, it was funny. When this news broke on Monday, I was like, there are about four or five people, and this would include any other, like, surprise transferings, that I would have expected to transfer before David DeJulius. Like I was, I was genuinely kind of surprised by it. Um, And obviously I I hate speculation and honestly that we might never get an answer from him as to why he decided to transfer uh, because he would be an outgoing player. There would be no reason for him to meet with Michigan media. Um, But overall, this is a guy who went from as a freshman under John Beeline, he only played like 3.8 minutes per game I think like he really did not play much at all and under Jawan Howard he was playing almost 21 minutes a game he was still the backup point guard behind Xavier Simpson who again is graduating so you would think he would have you know a pretty good chance to be first in line to be the starting point guard next season or at least in the starting lineup if they would uh, shift Eli Brooks over the point guard Um, but really he seemed to blossom his best game of the year was against Maryland and what ended up being the final game of the year Um, He did show these glimpses, I think, of what he could be as a Big Ten guard. And, you know, he's maybe not, I guess, an intense, like, facilitator. Like, maybe some of these freshmen coming in are going to be where they're four or five-star prospects and really going to fit in. But he seemed to gel with Jawan Howard. He's a Detroit native. Um, So all of that kind of played factors into me being surprised uh, that he's, you know, looking at leaving. Um, And then ESPN reported on Monday night that he got four offers pretty much right away or four um, schools contacted him, I should say, uh, including Maryland. So that would be pretty interesting if he transfers in conference, obviously would have to probably sit out a year red shirt and then have two years of eligibility remaining. 
Um, but overall, it definitely was a little bit of a surprise. But, you, you know, you never know what's going on um, behind the curtain, so to speak, and what could be going on mentally um, or anything like that, that he decided that this might be what's best for him basketball-wise right now. And like I said, we may never find out, but it is interesting considering that the starting point guard who he, you know, he, he spelled a lot of the time, but also played alongside of Xavier Simpson a lot. With him graduating, it, it is kind of surprising that your backup point guard, who, again, seemingly would be in line to start, decides to test the transfer portal out. Yeah, and that fate is still to be decided. Again, just because somebody enters the transfer portal doesn't mean they're a lock to leave. This is more or less of a – I talked to – about this with Nick a few weeks ago with Justin Turner in terms of transfer portal of Bowling Green. It's an examination of options. What can he realistically do as far as basketball, maybe even academics or who really knows, you know, mm-hmm. the intention is always, you know, a personal matter, but in regards to those recruits coming in, we know Zev Jackson is, but what depth is right now on that Michigan roster recruits aside commits aside that's coming in this year. What depth is there now as far as guards are concerned? And maybe could that boost up the recruiting trail for Jawan Howard for the guards? So really, like, I, I personally would like to include include Zeb in this just because he is the only uh, recruit in the 2020 class so far who has actually signed a national letter of intent, who signed early. The other ones will be eligible to sign next week on April 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zeb, you know... It, Toledo people who saw Zed play when he was at Maumee Valley know like maybe his biggest strength is scoring in spurts like he really did in high school just have this ability to kind of on a dime take over and he could score 10 points in the course of a couple minutes and then it totally shifts the game so that's somebody Eli Brooks returns in the starting lineup um, and that's again somebody who played point guard a little bit this year whether it was spelling Xavier Simpson they would do some lineups with him and DeJulius and kind of mix things up he's definitely capable of playing point guard um, and at, the, at that position I would assume he would be the front runner right now to take that job with DeJulius leaving um, there's Adrian Nunez is technically billed as a guard um, I wouldn't anticipate him running point really he didn't play that much this season he started at the beginning of the season when Franz Wagner was injured but not much beyond that um Franz again is more of like a forward type of position so that's really it there's not a ton of depth when it comes to scholarship guards so it's going to be interesting they're still after um a few other guys who they might add next season but it's definitely interesting right now and I think maybe this ups the sense of urgency for basketball to add maybe one or two more guards and then it's interesting because as of right now um, I believe if we're assuming Isaiah Livers ends up coming back, they are right at that 13 scholarship limit. Um, so that mm-hmm. will be, uh, you know, there could be more attrition that has to occur in that regard. So you mentioned the commits that Michigan has right now. There are five right now. One is signed and that's Jackson. The other four are hard commits, but they're all forwards. They're all listed at six, six and above. That brings me to Joshua Christopher, who I feel like would be a very, not just prized commodity nationally, but I feel like in a scope of, now with the Julius and the transfer portal, it's that much more important, perhaps, that Michigan could land him. And per 24-7 sports, he's got it narrowed down to the Final Four. Experts believe that Michigan is the clear front runner to land him. He is the number three shooting guard in the country, number 10 nationally, according to 24-7 sports composite. Five-star recruit, 
So, Ashley, with DeJulius in the transfer portal, we talked about Zeb Jackson, but does that become much more imperative that Michigan lands Christopher, or what say you regarding that? I mean, I think it does because he is – look, I mean, you said it. He's one of the top prizes left in college basketball. He was unsigned. He's the number 10 recruit in the nation overall, and he's the number three shooting guard and the number five recruit in California, which is a pretty big basketball state recruiting oh, yeah. wise, a pretty big state population-wise in general. Um, so, so I think this really ups the ante when it comes to getting him. Um, and it can never hurt to add a player of that caliber. I think Michigan, even if DeJulius didn't transfer, obviously if Josh Christopher says he wants to come there, you're going to find other ways to make up that scholarship situation like you need to. Um, but his biggest thing, and I, I recommend, I wrote something a couple weeks ago about him. Um, there was a highlight video circulating on social media. You can find it on YouTube from Bleacher Report, the highlight reel from his senior season. And really, it just shows off all these things that he is known for. He's got really good length for a shooting guard, uh, very athletic, can make plays in traffic, do all this stuff good defensively. Um, some of these blocks were maybe the most impressive plays <laughs> on this highlight reel for him. So he really can just do it all, a good ball handler, all that stuff. Um, he's more of a scorer than a passer, but I think that's something that can be learned. Um, and, and really, I think that them adding him would be a huge key. But the other thing here that is also going on that isn't technically recruiting, um, but the transfer portal, with the transfer portal, uh, they're looking at adding Bryce Aiken from Harvard, mm-hmm. who is one of the top brand transfers that would still be left. He was a point guard. Um, he has his list narrowed down to four potential schools between Michigan, Iowa State, Maryland, and Seton Hall. Um, And this all came out last week. He only played in seven games this season. He did average like almost 17 points, uh, but he suffered a season-ending foot injury. Uh, So it's expected that he's going to get a medical red shirt, but one of those weird Ivy League things, they don't allow red shirts and they don't allow graduate students to compete in athletics at all. So he's going to have to finish his career elsewhere. Um, And I know when he spoke to 24-7 Sports, he really praised Juwan Howard that he thought that it would be great to get some NBA experience and learn from him. And then as a junior, he averaged over 22 points. He had averaged 2.6 assists per game. So really, those are two solid options for me. Obviously, Bryce Aiken's a little more seasoned, whereas Josh Christopher is more of a flashy type freshman who you know could potentially be a one and done type guy so there there are certainly options that they have that I'm very curious how it plays out but I think landing one or both of them on Monday became a lot more urgent than it was for me on Sunday because you you look at Michigan's class right now they have the number four class in the nation they have the number one class in the Big Ten this is a phenomenal first recruiting class for Juwan Howard but with the Julius leaving, I think they desperately need some more depth now with players who can play that one spot. Not just number one in the Big Ten, but they're tied for the most commits. They have the lone five-star that's committed to any Big Ten team right now, and that's Isaiah Todd. And they're really, I don't want to say head and shoulders above Illinois, who's number two in the Big Ten, but they have a pretty sizable lead as far as recruiting is concerned over the rest of the conference. It just goes to show that I think this is what a lot of people expected when they hired Juwan Howard, that it was going to be totally different from the kind of guys that John Beeline drew in, guys that fit well into a system and fit well together, where Juwan Howard has all this NBA experience, not just 
as a player, but as a coach at that level, he has so many connections that I think he can just draw in these guys who, you know, Michigan fans aren't used to seeing play for them. Like Isaiah Todd is a five-star recruit. He is the top recruit that they have signed in the recruiting service era, which goes back to like 2000, I think, so or 2001. So that, that says a lot. And I think that the style of play, we saw it kind of shift this year. I think that's only going to continue happening uh, once Juwan Howard gets more of his recruits in Ann Arbor. You know, one quick thing here before we go to football. In Tuesday's edition of The Blade, you – got to talk with Phil Martelli, assistant coach at Michigan, who the backstory on him and his lineage and coaching is just insane. What were some of the highlights from your conversation with him and what's his take on not just what's going on right now, but on recruiting in general for Michigan basketball? When I talked to him, the goal of this story was kind of like, what are the logistics of recruiting amid this pandemic? Because obviously the NCAA has instituted there can't be any on or off campus visits officially or unofficially until at least May 31st with the coronavirus pandemic. So I was curious how the logistics of this were all going, especially in Michigan's case, in Michigan basketball's case, I should say, they still have like a week left to iron out the 2020 class. But this is also a prime time to be talking to juniors. So I kind of wanted to talk to him about that. But the conversation, you know, it shifted in a lot of ways because, you know, you find out that a lot at least in Michigan's case, that they don't really want to talk basketball with these players right now. And these players don't necessarily want to talk basketball. It's, it's a strange time. You know, Phil told me that it, it makes his skin crawl a little bit so that his, you know, focus is just finding out if these guys are, are okay. Are they safe? Are they healthy? Um, reminding them to be careful of rumors they might hear like, oh, you know, things will be back to normal on May 1st or June 1st that, you know, nobody really knows that as far as, a typical basketball calendar goes. So it's just interesting. Like each coach has maybe his own preferred method of communication. In Phil's case, it is texting first to set up a time to talk to a player, a coach, a family member, um, and then letting that player drive the call then essentially. Um, But for him, really, he just said, you know, everything with 2021 is kind of in limbo now, but that everyone is in the same position, that all this stuff is inconsequential. Um, that it's not time to sprint right now when it comes to recruiting, but obviously they still have these responsibilities, especially with the 2020 guys, whether it's paperwork, phone calls, whatever. They're still trying to get all of that done, but they're not trying to push anybody and they're not trying to be salesmen. So it definitely is like a a super weird time, I think. Um, I think, you know, you're going to see differences across programs, but at least that's how Michigan has been and that the focus is still kind of on their current team from 2019-2020 and how those guys are doing academically, how they're adjusting, and they're just kind of taking things from there. So definitely a weird time. I appreciated his honesty, um, and I would encourage everyone to kind of go and read that and see what else he had to say because it's kind of hard to summarize all just here. When it comes to the sports world, too, and it's regarding playing or recruiting or just about anything – this isn't a Michigan problem. It's a everybody problem dealing with this coronavirus pandemic. It's not like all of Michigan's airplanes just stopped working over the last couple of days. It's everybody has to adjust. So right. everybody's and, finding their way to do it. And that's what, you know, one of the main points he, that came up when we were talking is that maybe for the first time in ever, 
the playing field is actually level right now when it comes to recruiting, because as he said, the phone is what you have. So you have to make do with what you have. Now, when things aren't going to be level is when things kind of go back to normal because a bigger school like Michigan is going to have the luxury of, in a lot of cases, you know, maybe flying private somewhere where some mid-major schools are now going to have to figure out how to travel commercially when maybe there's still some residual effects of all of this. So that's where things are going to get a little, you know, back to normal with how they would normally be, where a big school like Michigan or any Big Ten school really probably has those advantages. Um, But right now, really, all things are equal as far as what you have at your fingertips to do the most majority of your recruiting. Let's transition to football here, where Michigan's football program has also adjusted to this recruiting process. And you wrote an analysis piece that was in Saturday's edition of The Blade, where it may be very easy to compare Ohio State and Michigan recruiting because not only has it been done for decades, but within the last couple of years, at least, with Ohio State doing what they've been doing and transitioning to Ryan Day and how he has, sorry, Michigan fans, how he has blown the doors off of college football recruiting. It's almost easy to say, well, where's Michigan in all of this? So in your analysis piece, when you broke everything down, really Michigan has the advantage over Ohio State in just one position, and that's safeties. What were some of those findings that maybe you found interesting or maybe you didn't know, or maybe that shed more light on either Michigan or Ohio State in their recruiting? So overall, I think the most interesting thing is that the the argument for years has been Ohio State keeps beating Michigan because they recruit better, and then it's kind of cyclical. Like, they win the game, it helps them with recruits, which allows them to win the game the following year, which helps them with recruits. You know, it's just this Mm -hmm. constant cycle. Um, The safety area, Michigan is ahead because of one person, and it's Dax Hill, who was a five-star prospect and the number one rated prospect at his position. Um, The biggest discrepancies to me when I was breaking all this down come on the defensive side of the ball in Ohio State's favor. So you look at the linebacker spot, Ohio State has – on their current roster of scholarship players, the average star rating coming out of high school was 4.1 stars. At Michigan, it's only 3.4 stars. Of Michigan's 12 scholarship linebackers, seven are former three-star prospects. And then you look at corners, it's a little bit of the same. At Ohio State, on their current roster coming out of high school, the average star rating was 4.3. At Michigan, it was only 3.6. And five of Michigan's nine corners were four-star prospects in high school, and the other four were three-stars. The interesting one that I was kind of that I think a lot of people would expect Ohio State to be way ahead on that they aren't is that quarterback where their average star rating coming out of high school was four stars at Michigan is 3.8. The biggest reason for that is because both Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton were really highly touted in high school. They were each four star recruits. Now, neither of them have really played. So that hasn't translated on the field necessarily. um, And it remains to be seen whether it will transfer this upcoming season and whether, you know, that will make any real noticeable effect in this rivalry. I would argue that it maybe probably won't, but, you know, you never know. Never say never. Um, So really, those were the biggest differences for me that I noticed. And I'm definitely on the side of that. A lot of times, I think these ratings and rankings maybe need to be taken with a grain of salt, at least at Michigan. A prime example of that is receiver Ronnie Bell, who has kind of excelled there despite having 
players who, on the roster who are rated higher than him. But the discrepancy between the two programs is undeniable in this regard. And it's one thing to kind of make a Twitter argument. And it's another thing to look at the numbers and say, wow, these totally back this up. Um, so, you know, in that way, you really can't deny it that Ohio State has done a better of getting better job of getting these higher rated guys over the last handful of years. So since March 25th, Michigan has landed five recruits. Arguably the best one out of this batch is Lewis Hansen, the tight end out of Massachusetts. And they've also landed Greg Crippen. They landed Casey Finney. They landed Dominic Gudice and Tommy Doman, a punter. They're all four stars or three stars, two or four stars, two or three stars. But the recruits they landed early, at least, that's J.J. McCarthy, the five-star quarterback, and then Giovanni L. Hadi, the four-star offensive lineman. It's not like Michigan isn't picking up weight at all. They're ranked 14th nationally, but here's what's stark in this whole thing. Michigan's sixth in the Big Ten right now for 2021, where, as in 2020, they're number two. So is it a matter of the Big Ten stepping up, or is it just an Ohio State thing? It might be apples to oranges here, but what's your take on all of that? So the interesting thing for me is you look at the team rankings, and this is all for 24-7 sports. Michigan only has six commits right now. So each of the five schools in the conference that are ahead of them, simply they just have more commits. Like Maryland and Rutgers are ahead of them right now. Okay, Maryland has 10 commits, but seven of those commits are only three-star prospects. Rutgers has nine commits, and eight of those guys are three-star prospects. So I don't have a doubt that Michigan is going to eventually kind of go up these rankings, um, it just is going to take more guys signing because they have six commits, one is a five-star, three are four-stars. So that that's all promising to me, and that's kind of where I am, that it's still a little early to be hitting the panic button. Um, it is promising to me that they have a five-star and a five-star quarterback at that. Now, whether they're going to be able to catch Ohio State, that's something different, completely different. Um, because Ohio State has three five-star recruits. They have 10 four-star recruits. They're kind of just on another level nationally and in the conference. So, uh, you know, I expect Michigan to kind of jump some of these other schools, um, but not necessarily Ohio State. We talk about Lewis Hansen and the tight end that Michigan landed about a week ago here. And I found this very interesting when I looked at the recruiter rankings, which is 24-7 sports' list of coaches that are really just pulling in top recruits it's really no bones about it but Sharon Moore from Michigan is ranked number five on this list Moore at number five a tight end coach he has brought in McCarthy El Hadi and really he hasn't had many ties at least on the public end to Hanson but I found that very interesting when I took a look at that the the tight ends coach for Michigan pulling in these top recruits you know outside of his position he did actually help recruit Hanson alongside Don Brown, who and Hanson's from Massachusetts, so Don Brown obviously has a lot of connections there. He might be the most Massachusetts guy that I've ever met and that I, you know, that exists in college football, very Massachusetts. But, you know, I think he's very interesting. Like, I've only been on the beat a year, but he's very operable. Um, he's the tight ends coach now. He was an offensive lineman when he played. Um, so I think he really is stepping up at a time when Michigan is trying to find their way without Chris Partridge, who really had made a name for himself across the recruiting landscape um, and in the Northeast and in Jersey, especially where he's from. Um, obviously, he's left to become the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. So 
uh, I think that he's really stepped up so far with this class and helping land some of these top guys. And he's definitely someone to keep an eye on uh, as the summer goes on and see how many more of these guys he is involved with um, and how many more, you know, top tier guys that he's involved with, especially. So definitely something to keep an eye on and how he continues to involve himself in that regard uh, without Chris Partridge there. One more recruit here that we can mention by name that's still considering Michigan is running back Donovan Edwards out of West Bloomfield, Michigan, who per 24-7 sports is currently warm on Michigan, Michigan State, and Georgia. And the thought is that Michigan is currently the favorite. And the top of the mountain comparison that he's getting right now is an Alvin Kamara running back for the New Orleans Saints, who is just unbelievable. But Edwards, currently a four-star composite ranking is number three in the country, number 38 nationally. So about the impact that maybe he could bring to Michigan and maybe the likelihood that he is going to select Michigan out of those three. It's kind of imperative that they land him. He's from right down the road. He's in state. Like it's really, it just is not good when it comes to the case of, well, can Michigan recruit, you know, if they don't land him because he's literally from their backyard. So I think it's definitely going to be key, especially you look at when he would be coming in. Um, You know, Chris Evans would be gone. Hassan Haskins would presumably be gone. Um, Zach Charbonnet would be an upperclassman. I'm trying to do the mental math now of how old these guys are. Um, But it definitely will be key for, you know, strengthening that running back room. Um, Obviously, one of their top recruits who's going to be coming in for the 2020 season is Blake Corum. He's running back. Um, but really, I think it's it's pretty imperative that they land him, just given the fact that he is an in-state guy. And if you can't entice him, then it's like, what what are we doing here? That's kind of the whole point of all this. They really have to be able to own Michigan and own these guys who are in their backyard, uh, especially when it comes to Michigan versus Michigan State. I think that's really, really important. But uh, definitely one of the top guys who still has yet to commit, who I think is maybe when it comes to a sense of urgency, this is the guy you have to have the sense of urgency with. Yeah, it's about quality and quantity. Right now, Michigan doesn't have a high quantity compared to maybe Ohio State or even, you mentioned Rutgers in Maryland, but the quality right now, with the seven hard commits that they do have, at least four of them are are four-star recruits. And if you add in a player like Edwards, who, again, a four-star recruit, number three running back in the country, according to composite rankings, you know, this could just boost them up maybe into the number four spot, for example, in the Big Ten. So Michigan is far from done in the football end. Nonetheless, they're still operating and they're still landing. Like I said, over the last few weeks here, they've landed a good number of recruits and pretty high level ones, too. So I guess we'll see what happens. There's still a long road ahead of us. And especially with the pandemic affecting everybody, you know, it's a, it's a game of whether who can adjust the best or who can make the best lemonade out of these sour lemons that we're given right now. So Ashley, any uh, final thoughts before we get you out of here pretty shortly? I don't think so. I think we've just, we've hit on about all of it when it comes to football and basketball. I mean, it's, it's a strange time right now, but you know, like you said up at the top of this podcast that Michigan has been making some news over these last seven or so days that it's been kind of surprising and, you know, we're seeing that recruiting isn't stopping, even though strategies have had to be altered. So I would expect some more signings here in the next week or two. I'd be really shocked if we didn't get any. 
pretty much all of college athletics is trying to do their best to adjust it right now. I don't want to say it's a survival of the fittest kind of game, but I think that you can really see that who has the resources and they're not necessarily pulling ahead of the rest of the pack, but you can tell that they're making more waves than maybe some other schools are. Hopefully we can get back to some games at a safe manner. I'm hoping I was really encouraged by the masters, the release date in November they're at least planning for something that gave me like a glimpse of hope the other day when I heard that. So I'm hoping that college football can also be held this season. Cause those questions are starting to come up. I mean, and I, I think it's fair to wonder at this point, you look at what the rest of the sports world is doing and when things are being postponed to, and you know, I, I, I think like Kyle said, like, can he see a hundred thousand people packing into a stadium in September? Like, I don't necessarily think so. Like, it's really hard to imagine that happening. But, I, you know, I am, I do want to be hopeful that this season is going to happen in some capacity. I don't think there's anything wrong with being hopeful, but I think you also can't ignore the science of all this stuff. And, you know, I think that's kind of where I am with it. There's nothing wrong with being optimistic, but, you know, kind of hope for the best, prepare contingency plans in the meantime. Yep, we'll see what happens down the road. As for my final thought, this is where it's the end of the podcast and I can mark out over wrestling. Holy crap, the Boneyard match at WrestleMania 36 between The Undertaker and AJ Styles was absolutely insane. Kudos to the production team that created all of that. If you haven't seen it yet, those that listening, or even you, Ashley, find it on YouTube somewhere or try to watch it. It was just like theater for a wrestling match. And then Otis picking up Mandy Rose and the kiss I popped so loudly for I think my neighbors got scared. So that was that was a good WrestleMania weekend for what they were dealt with and what they were given and trying to do. So I had fun watching it, but that's my final thought for the week. I'm going to take another sip of coffee like I probably shouldn't. And uh, I'll just enjoy the rest of the week. And Ashley, you stay safe. I hope your family stays safe as well. And uh, we'll definitely chop up some more Michigan recruiting and hopefully some live sports here within the next few months or so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I'll, I'll cross toes, too. How about that? Yep. That's, you know, we need everybody crossing their fingers so that everything can go back to normal as quickly as possible. Well, we need people to stay inside first. Do it yeah, inside. That's, that's the biggest thing. Please still practice social distancing. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the groups of people that are, like, holding parades and, like, going out on scenic walks with each other, like go on a walk, but like, keep your distance. That's all we're asking. People don't realize, and this is like me getting on my soapbox a little bit, but people don't realize that this isn't like a rebellious kind of thing that we need to be trying to accomplish. This is us versus science and science is currently winning in an unfortunate way. So why don't we try to combat with science a little bit by stopping the science. Like, I just think that it's a no brainer to listen to doctors and listen to some elected officials, Mike DeWine, who is just absolutely killing it right now here in the state of Ohio. We are very lucky. Someone said this to me, one of my friends back in Pennsylvania was like, for the first time, you're probably really excited to be living in Ohio. And I said, that is rude, but you're right. So I found that kind of funny. Yeah, and you know, I, I really love Dave Briggs's column this week on the Dabo Sweeney comments over down at Clemson, mm-hmm. um, which if you guys haven't seen that, he was, you know, just go and read the comments. I'm not going to get into it here. But yeah, it's like at this point, this stuff is not, coronavirus is not like a terrorist. Like it's not people. It's a contagious disease. So, 
you know, how after 9-11, you know, people talk about, oh, getting out and living your life. And, you know, that that was therapeutic for a lot of people and ended up being the right things to do in a lot of ways. But this is not that. This is a disease. It's, it's not a literal enemy of war that we are fighting, even though Mike DeWine has used that terminology to maybe explain things to the general public. This is, it's science and we should listen to the scientists and we'll get all the things we love back faster is my kind of theory on all of this. So it's what I'm doing. I have been encouraging all my friends to still be practicing social distancing and hope you guys are all encouraging your family and friends to do the same thing. Absolutely. I thankfully, everybody that I know for all intents and purposes are safe and healthy. And both of my parents are still working. So God bless them. My dad's a steel worker. My mom works at a pharmacy. So I am always trying to think of and, you know, if you're religious, pray for the medical workers right now that are actually fighting this thing. Because, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine at least I couldn't put myself in the shoes of somebody that has to gear up in like the garments and the masks and the in the shower caps. Like I couldn't imagine myself doing that. It's just beyond me how medicine is on this fight for us. And it'll happen. I, I'm very confident that it'll happen. I just don't know when. So for now I'll just continue to comply with the rules that the new rules that at least society is preaching to me. So hey, if it means that I get to stay in and play video games without any consequence and I get to have peace and quiet in my apartment, then so be it. So be it. We'll take it. Ashley, thanks for the time. Thanks for the knowledge and the wisdom. Stay safe. Those of you listening in, thank you so much for doing so. And if you liked this episode or if you want to go back and listen to previous episodes of Glass City Game Time, whether it's episode one or episode 25 like this one, you can check us out anywhere podcasts are found on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and every week we're available on ToledoBlade.com and on Blade News Slide. Please consider subscribing if you have not yet, and we always appreciate you liking it, giving us a good star rating, and sharing this episode or previous episodes, whichever one you may do, of Glass City Game Time. So, for this week's show, for Ashley Bastock, my name is Corey Brisson. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.